LiveFlow is known for saving accountants time. Hours, days, even weeks for some. Well, LiveFlow has done it again, saving accountants even more time with their new feature, Automated Multi-Entity Consolidation. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, LiveFlow, later in the episode. I really wanted to address everyone, just let them know that you know we understand who you are and we're meeting you right where you are. So the letter says, Dear Spicy Community, we at The Only Consultant believe sex work is work and that you and your finances deserve the same respect as a professional in any other industry. After all, you're earning income the same way a real estate agent or insurance broker would. You can expect 100% judgment-free services from me and my team. While I'm not a sex worker myself, as a woman living in the United States, I understand the importance of financial literacy as a tool of empowerment. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, Visit earmarkcpe.com, download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Earmark. I'm Blake Oliver, joined today by Catherine Studley. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I am thrilled to be here. Your business, or one of your businesses, is called The Only Consultant, and I understand that you have a specialty, a niche in helping OnlyFans creators. Tell me about that. Yes. So every day is a new day. That's the first thing. So I started this uh, business. I had the idea in the summer of 2020, right after the pandemic. I was spending a lot of time on social media, and I heard about this new platform called OnlyFans. And I'm a tax accountant by trade. I'd worked for a couple of years um, in CPA firms, but decided that really wasn't my story. But I was very specialized in the Schedule C, and I knew instantly. I said, hang on. These are all independent contractors. These girls are not going to have any clue how to do their taxes. I can fill this niche. So yeah, I started right at the end of 2020, quit my job on the spot in March of 2021 to build this out. Wow, that's very brave. And I understand you've brought along your business partner. Who who do we have joining us today? Yes, this is my business partner, Jim Swick. Yeah, so my background is also traditional tax. I worked my I stayed in a little bit longer than Catherine. So I worked my <laughs> way up to partner. I have a couple years in between there in industry as a controller of a real estate company. Um, but yeah, I, I heard about Catherine because she used to work at the firm that my firm acquired. And it was kind of a crazy idea. Like I, at first, I wasn't the biggest believer in it. And the guy that we acquired was like, this is a really great idea. And, uh, you know, she started working with our firm. And uh, that's kind of how we met. Mm-hmm. And you decided to go into business together. You left your, did you leave your job as a partner? Or yeah. what, do you, what do you call that? Your 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 role as a partner? Yeah, I did. So I, I came onto the idea after a couple of years, like we saw Catherine grow. I mean, she started what the first year you had handful of clients, right? Yeah. I maybe did like 12 returns. Second year I did like 125 and that's, I feel like when Jim and I started working together was more or less tax season. Yeah. So my firm wasn't exactly thrilled with the idea of this. I mean, it's a traditional CPA firm. Um, we already had too many 1040s. We can't get through them all. You know, it's massive amounts of extensions every year. We can't just take on another hundred of these like low level returns, like we're we're searching for bigger businesses with auditing and stuff. So it wasn't, you know, I saw I saw the the vision of Catherine and they didn't necessarily see it. Got it. Okay. So you've joined forces and I just got to confirm those numbers. So first year, 12 returns, second year, 10 times more, 125, did you say? That's correct. Yep. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. And, and, And these are all like OnlyFans creators. 
Not all, most. Um, Mostly. So we're serving the spicy industry. That's that's our niche specifically. So I, I initially had this idea for OnlyFans creators that quickly uh, spread to exotic dancers as well. So it's very much an underserved industry. And then I would say maybe 10 or 15% of our client base is, you know, just people looking for a non-traditional tax experience. If they're 1099 contractors or W-2, they just, you know, kind of see that we're a little bit progressive and want to work with us. So what... So, so you saw this happening. You saw that OnlyFans and this this creator economy was building in 2020, and and it inspired you to go out and you know create a practice built around it. What I I know that a lot of people in, in traditional accounting firms would stay away from this, yeah, because of stigma yep. and the stereotypes and the misconceptions. What are those common stereotypes and misconceptions about OnlyFans creators and anyone in the spicy industries, mm-hmm. as we say, uh, how do you, how, what are those and how do you address those? Yeah. So first of all, um, I think that everyone is, it's just so taboo. It's very hard, I think, for this industry to even like digest that. And there's a lot of like misunderstanding about the industry as well. Like they're not familiar enough with the creator economy to even wrap their head around what would or would not be a business expense. Separately, of course, they're concerned that there is illegal monies being run through these 1099s and cash businesses, which is valid. And we have the um, like the balance and the checks in place to make sure that's not happening. But it's very much just like an out of the box, um, you know, accounting firm and approach. And full disclosure, I'm not a CPA. So that's why it was very important to me that I always had a CPA sign the return. So I've always acted as the consultant and then I've sent it to like a CPA to sign because I know that's the gold standard. So finding CPAs to be on board with this, I mean, people were hanging hanging off on, on me as soon as I'd call them. Like I had clients that I were I was getting off of social media and I had no one to complete the work, which was pretty wow. exciting. <laughs> so are you helping your clients do the accounting and the bookkeeping as well as you know prepping the returns? Yes. Yep. We have several clients that are on retainers with us. They're working with us all year round. Um, bookkeeping, payroll, we're setting up their LLCs, S-Corp elections, tax planning, estimates, the whole nine. And how is that different for these creators versus just any other business? Is it the similar or, or you know, or, or are there big differences? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same idea. It's all 1099 income. I think an issue is, um, you know, client support. Our clients just need a little bit more love than your traditional client may. We have just as many customer service specialists as we do tax preparers because we understand the industry. And it's important to us that we're constantly educating our clients to make sure that they actually understand their small business instead of just, you know, doing their return and, you know, sending them on their way. I think that's what we see a lot too. Like, that's another thing. Like we are on, like every single one of our clients were onboarding this year. So it's because we're moving up from my old firm to, to like our new firm. And then there's, there's a lot more as we grow. So we're onboarding them all, but some of the returns that are done by other people across the country, it's just like, they're taking their numbers. You could tell like the, the client gave them a PL and they just slap it on the return. It's like, like they don't want to ask them the questions because it's probably mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable for a lot of people to ask, you know, but we, we can just look at it. Now we see so many of these returns and it's like, you know, travel looks too high. Clothing looks too high. You know, what, you know, do you know the rules of this? And then we, and then we, we make them, we're not just preparing the return. We're teaching them about what the right deductions are. If they're, if they're a target of an IRS audit, they have a leg to stand on. Like we asked the question, first of all, and they answered it. And as long as they're comfortable with the answer and the rule, then we're preparing the return. 
So it, yeah. there's, there's actually a lot that goes into it each return. I mean, historically, sex workers have been discriminated against. Do you see that in audits? Yeah. So there, there's a Forbes article on this, this, this summer about IRS agents targeting the OnlyFans industry. So wow. Definitely. Yeah. So like, like, like pulling them out, extra scrutiny, like more audits as a percentage? I think so. And it's, it's, Catherine is on TikTok. So it's, but a lot of these people get a lot of their advice from like TikTok and it's not always the best advice. Catherine's on there and she gets yes. advice. We give the best. But there are people that say like, you could just write off any, any vacation that you want, you know, just yeah. as a business expense. And it's like, you know, you yeah. Or all your, like you said, I, I think you mentioned clothing, right? It's yeah, like, clothing. oh, okay. If I'm, if I'm on OnlyFans, that means I can deduct my entire wardrobe because I'm on camera with it. Right. And exactly. that's the advice they're getting on TikTok. Exactly. Yep. It's exactly yeah. what we see. I want yep. to take our whole, whole home as a home office. Mm -hmm. We, you know, they're trying to write off every single thing, but just because they don't have the, the knowledge. So that's one thing that I was a little concerned about because I thought that the, I thought that they wouldn't really take the message well when I'm telling them they can't write this stuff off. But we're just approaching it as our job, our responsibility is to protect you from the IRS. You know, it's not just to fill out your numbers and slap them on a Schedule C and file it for more than you pay an H&R Block to do. Like, we we take our job seriously. We want to protect every one of our mm -hmm. clients. Yep. So uh, going back to the accounting, you know, thinking about the P&L and revenue streams, I know like gig workers have lots of different revenue streams or lots of different, you know, 1099s they get. Is it similar for these creators where they're on a bunch of different platforms and they're getting a ton of different reports or a ton of different, you know, 1099s or they tend to they tend to be on one? Well, I mean, you know, there's definitely several clients that OnlyFans is their one and only source of income. But I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, OnlyFans was talking about not allowing sex work on the platform and that scared a lot of creators as it should. So then they were starting to diversify by getting on different platforms. So yeah, there's like the top, you know, there's like five that we see a lot. Yeah. Fansly, Fancentro, Chatterbait, Sex Panther, stuff like that. And then separately, a lot of tips on Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, and Zelle. And that's where things also get a little bit exciting is because they're accepting tips in their DMs on Twitter and Instagram too. Oh, uh, got it. And that often gets mixed up with personal stuff, I imagine. There you go. Yes. Because it's your it's your Venmo that you're using to pay your half your rent or whatever, right? It's yep. it's all ha, untangling that must be quite a bookkeeping job. It's it's actually not too bad because usually usually they'll print us out the sheets. Not print out, mm -hmm. I guess I'm old, I say that. Paper, like, we would never <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they they give us screenshots of their of all their transactions and they like circle mm. the ones that are business. So it's actually pretty easy. Yeah. Got it. And I try to provide a lot of free information all year round on starting a separate bank account. Here's a free spreadsheet. Here's a free document on every tax document you could ever get, just so it's kind of like always top of mind. I say start a separate bank account until my face turns blue. Like it's like my main theme. And you're like you're always saying every like that's taxable stuff. A lot of people don't think that if you get paid on Venmo, it's not taxable, right? No. Catherine's just delivering that message over and over again. That is taxable income. Yeah. So Catherine, I take it you acquired these, you know, hundreds of returns now that you're doing these clients on social media. Was it all TikTok? Is that your platform of choice? Yep. So my sales um, funnel started on TikTok. I never used TikTok before, but I knew that that's where OnlyFans creators were. So when I quit my job, I spent 13 hours a day on TikTok for a couple of weeks and just, you know, understood the platform and how it works. And then I was doing the same trends in like sounds and TikTok dances that creators were. And then at the end, I would just say like judgment-free tax advice with a wink. 
And then, you know, if you read between the lines and you read between the lines and they understood what it was, and then they would follow me on Instagram. And that's where I kind of like nurture and cultivate the audience a little bit more. I feel like in my stories, like whoever watches my stories is pretty much a client. So we have like a good pocket corner of the internet. Oh, interesting. So TikTok is like the top of your funnel. Yes. That's where you create the fun content that says, now follow me on Instagram for the actual tax and accounting knowledge. Yep. Yep. And then oh, wow. it's where I'm like making, you know, like announcements about, all right, guys, like need your tax documents by April 1st. Like that's a message mm-hmm. that's specifically for Instagram. Whereas TikTok is like, hey, LLCs don't equal more uh, write-offs. It's kind of like a little bit more catchy. Mm-hmm. So that's been very uh, effective. And then separately, I'm in some Telegram group chats with different influencers. Like as we're, you know, I, I try to get to know all my clients as much as I can through consultations and like interactions on social media. So I've been invited to like different group chats too, which has been very helpful just to, I meet clients exactly where they are, basically. So, you know, we know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about deductions and the ones you shouldn't take. Uh-huh. What are the deductions that these creators should be taking and that their preparers should be aware of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, a portion of your phone expense, right? Because they're using their phone to create content and to go on social media. Marketing expense, they're doing paid promo or shout out for shout outs on social media. So if you have a bigger following than me, I would pay you $100 on Cash App to shout me out. That's a valid marketing expense. You know, they're also using photographers, managers, paying out their collabs for different content, Makeup warning content creation is a write-off as long as they have the separate bag. And there's some nuances with the beauty supplies, like strip lashes that you just glue on for the day would be a write-off because it can come off. But then like an extension that is like sewn on would not. Same thing with wigs and hair extensions and acrylic nails and press-on nails. So there's a lot of those situations as well. Oh, I can't wait to see the IRS guidance specifically on that issue someday. <laughs> yes. It'll, that's yeah. going to that's gonna be a moment, right? Yeah. I know it's coming. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what are the biggest challenges you face working with OnlyFans creators? Great question. Um, I don't really, honestly, I don't like I, I was a little worried about it at first because I, you know, I'm used to working with traditional CPA, like, like small business clients and, you know, and these people are just like great to work with. Like generally speaking, it's been just like a pleasure. It's like, they've, they've loved their advice. Like they're, they're friendly all along the, all along the way. And like, maybe they're not as organized. Maybe they don't know as much about, you know, taxes. And so it's a lot of handholding at first, like that's probably the biggest challenge, but ultimately it's, it's also kind of a rewarding part about it because at my old firm, you know, you're just pounding out a ton of returns. Like, you, you know, the people are, I guess they're probably thankful, but it's just not, it's just not the same level of service, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that also um, a challenge is managing everyone's emotions too, because initially there is so much fear and confusion and shame and embarrassment surrounding taxes and not understanding money. And people are very hard on themselves. So that's something that, you know, we try to make very clear in our messaging too, is that like, yo, we got you. Like, I know this is confusing. I know it's hard. Like, don't be scared of a big tax bill. Like, we can help you. Yeah, I I actually, that reminds me, I saw a stat recently that people are more embarrassed about finances and tax, and they would rather talk about stuff like sex these days than finances. And that's in the, you know, younger generations. Yeah, and we're talking about all of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> conversations for sure. Yeah, just another day at Prisma Tax, no problem. Uh, so, so 
you know, a lot of firms are talking about getting out of 1040s and, you know, not doing personal returns and everyone wants to do big business returns, but you're not doing that. You're going the opposite direction. So, you know, how do you make it work from a profitability standpoint? Our pricing structure is good. Yeah. I mean, we charge what, what we're worth. We charge appropriately for the service being provided and we pay everyone on staff a, a reasonable salary too. And it's just, talk more about that. yeah, it's, I think I think it's all based on the pricing structure. So our minimum prices are five seventy five for ten forty, which is higher than most. You know, if you go to H and R Block, you'll pay what three fifty four hundred bucks maybe for a Schedule C. So we're yeah. a little we're a little more expensive, and that that goes up. Like that's our starting price. And then on top of that, like you know, you were an accountant. I'm an accountant. She was an accountant. Nobody. You go to a party. Nobody wants to hear about your job, right? So this completely changed that. Like every party that I go to now. It's like everybody wants to hear about what we're doing. So it's like this resonates with the with the industry because there's we have employees all over reaching out, wanting to work with us, which is just the complete opposite of what I faced at my old firm. The hardest thing in the world was to get talent in the door. And like we've gotten talent from all over the country, from people that maybe don't start off as accountants, but they can most definitely do the job. So that's why we think that we can succeed in the 1040 world too, because we can just our secret, our secret weapon is hiring moms, really stay at home moms and people mm-hmm. that are smart and they're looking, they want some extra income. And it's just like, we're eager to hire them and we're eager to train them because it's just, that's great. It works for you. It works for us. Mm-hmm. And are these folks leaving these moms, you know, um, leaving traditional firms? Is that where you're finding them or are they, you know, how, how are you, where do they come from? <laughs> where do the moms come from? Yeah. All yeah. Over. Yeah. <laughs> Former nurses, former um, C. What is it? And what is it? Uh, NSA. NSA. Yeah, we have some very interesting <laughs> people on staff. We have. I like. Um, you know, Jim and I are creatives. We're accountants, but we also have a creative mind. So I think it's important to hire creatives because we're working with creatives as well. So we have three um, staff members that are musicians. They have like their masters in you know education and musical performance. We have um, hairstylists, former hairstylists. You know, just whoever we think kind of like meshes with the vision and the clients and who has a desire to learn, you don't necessarily have to be uh, an accountant to work to work for us. We yeah. have former sex workers, former current and former clients. I think that's, we look at it like the person. We're not looking, if you're looking for accountants, you're, you're, your search is so like narrowed. It's like, we just want good people, smart people. We could teach them how to do these returns are not the most complex thing in the world. It's like, we're looking for the right person and we, and yeah. or we've been successful with that. Definitely. That was going to be my next question is, okay, you're, you're finding these great people who want to work. And I, I take it they're working remotely. Everyone's you. remote. Yep. Everyone's remote. And so, yeah, you're, you're teaching them how to do the 1040s. Like, how does that work? Do you have a, a course? Do you sit one-on-one with them? Do you do it in a group? I mean, there is a lot of knowledge to be transferred there. Yeah, we use, so, I mean, I have a, like a basic tax course that I have for clients that I let everyone sit through. We use Loom a lot. That's our, that's like our second secret weapon is using Loom videos. So Jim will take a video of himself preparing a return, you know, we'll have the work papers up and then it becomes like a lesson and they can watch it back as many times as they need to. And then we have like essentially a resource library for onboarding and for new issues that we'll have so people can reference that constantly. Yeah, we also do live training too. So when people come on first, we um, it, it kind of depends on how they learn. I like to kind of give them the option because like if they come out in the beginning of tax season, a lot of our clients procrastinate. 
Yeah, so that's like, another thing. We're kind of twiddling our thumbs the first couple of weeks of tax season <laughs> when we could just be training our staff um, however they however they need to be trained, really. Kind of leave it up to the staff. Yeah, and that goes back into the creative portion mm-hmm. of this, which is not usually that you can you know, marry accounting and creativity, but we have found a way to do that. Loom is a great tool. Love that tool. So that is the that's the tool where... You know, for those who haven't used it, you can record your screen and a little bubble of your 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 face, you know, in the corner as you narrate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. What you, you mentioned that you also have like a sounded like a wiki or a, a you know place where you store information. What 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 are you using for that? Yeah, so we're using ClickUp, which is ClickUp to like Trello or Asana. It's a project management system, which we pretty much just tailored to our tax process, and then we use ProConnect for the tax yep. prep. Yeah. So exactly. So we had to work on ClickUp quite a bit to get it to kind of fill our needs for public accounting, but we've we've made it work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's interesting. I it's probably fifty fifty when I talk to firm owners whether or not they're using a specific tool for accountants and for accounting firms, or if they're using a tool that's general purpose and that they've tailored. Mm-hmm. And I was actually in your camp when I had my firm. Uh, there weren't any specialized solutions. So I used a Citrix tool called Podio, mm-hmm. you know, which it's it's got all the same, you know, features, a collaborative workspace, task management, that sort of thing. What was the biggest lift in getting ClickUp to work for your firm? I think it was probably like, so Catherine was like a one-man army, one-woman army. It was crazy. Uh, last year. And then I joined in and went through everything of leaving my firm and, and all that at the end of the year. But she had her two ex- two years of experience, and she has her passion about helping people in this industry. She didn't necessarily have the fifteen years of public accounting experience that I have, you know. So, so I think it was just coming in and just kind of using my knowledge to build it out the way we needed it to be built. But yeah, compared to like um, like we used CCH at my old firm, uh, Access Tax, um, the whole platform, and then before that we used UltraTax and uh, Thomson Reuters. And this is just so much more flexible. Like you can do so much more stuff with ClickUp. Embed, we could embed these videos, like training videos right into our like 1040 projects if we want to. So a client could, or a, a staff could go in there and just like click on the video if they wanted to see it. Like you can't do that with normal accounting software. No, yeah. And you said you're using ProConnect for the taxes? Yeah. And uh, how do you like that compared to what you've used in the past? I like I had a real problem with access tax. It was very slow. It was like you click somewhere and you're waiting three seconds for the screen to change. It was terrible. I had awful mm-hmm. tax seasons with that. UltraTax was I liked UltraTax better, but yeah, um, ProConnect is so far so good. It's smooth. Um, it's very easy. Uh, it has its you know. There's times when you're working in it and it like will just kind of disconnect because you're not active or you're looking into something else. And if you didn't move to another screen, it'll like erase everything that you did, which sometimes is a pain. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I love that it's browser based and you could access it from anywhere. We don't have to maintain like any sort of like database and data center or anything. It's like it's all done by them and our, our staff remote as they are. They can just log in on anything. So no virtual servers that you have to worry about. No exactly. servers in the office. Yeah, That's great. And we use like yeah. their their, uh, their uh, what is it? Um, Intuit Link, which you know, that's been okay. It's been somewhat challenging, but we've customized that like as well as we can. And we, we deliver messages from Catherine in there and we, we embed videos like right in, right in our email that goes out to them. So it's, I haven't, I haven't heard about Intuit link. Tell me about that. Like what, what, what does that do? 
it's a, it's like an organizer. So the client goes in there and they get signed right off on their engagement letter electronically, which is awesome. We have a bunch of yes, no questions then, some specifically designed for our industry to make sure we're covered. Mm-hmm. So asking about, hey, do you collect money in Venmo or Cash App, whatever, we have that yes, no. So if they say no, we, we, we're taking their word for it. You know, we can't, we're not auditing them, but we have to ask the right. question. And then it has the document collection piece, which is, um, you know, upload your W-2, upload your 1099 NEC, which they all have. Catherine's got a specifically designed spreadsheet for their mm-hmm. income and expenses for the lower people that are on QuickBooks. And they upload that and they could do it all right from their phone. They could take pictures of their W-2s. They could take pictures of their 1099s and just send it to us. So it, it's and crazy. Sounds like it's QuickBooks for the bookkeeping? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we do. Oh, also another cool thing about it, ProConnect, is you can import the documents into the tax return. So CCH had Autoflow, it was called, and you had to pay like 12 bucks per use. So when you run the numbers, it's like, is this worth it? Oh, Should I have it? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So yeah. this is all built into the price of the of you know the returns, the way they do it. So, so that's like... Uh, Pull in the 1099 and it puts the information in, put the yeah. scans in the, I got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that like, why would, why would a tax company, software company charge extra for that kind of feature, right? Yeah. Just build it into the price of the return or the s- subscription for the software. Yeah. CCH is, so, uh, they hit you with everything. And whenever there's a chance to make money, it's like they, they're hitting you with it for sure. This episode of the Earmark podcast is sponsored by Liveflow. Did you hear the news? Liveflow just launched a new consolidation product. Liveflow power user Beth Melcher of MoneyFit said that Liveflow's consolidation is saving her team 15 to 20 minutes per client every week and eliminates the use of formulas. Liveflow's automated multi-entity consolidation is simple to use. You can easily map multiple unmatching charts of accounts from multiple QuickBooks online companies into one standardized report. Once it's set up, Liveflow works its magic updating the consolidations automatically in real time, so you can focus on analysis using instantly updated data across entities. Liveflow can even consolidate financials that are in different currencies, and the possibilities don't stop there. Liveflow empowers you with flexible, powerful reporting tools to create customized dashboards that meet your specific needs. Build executive presentations, cash flow forecasts, and more with just a few clicks. To stop grueling over manual consolidation reports and to get 25% off your first three months, be one of the first 10 listeners to head over to earmarkcpe.promo slash liveflow. That is earmarkcpe.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. So we we got QuickBooks on the bookkeeping side. Any other apps that you use or recommend to your creators, Catherine? Um... I'm trying to think. I mean, not really. It's pretty much they're using the spreadsheet mostly um, for their income and expense tracking. I have some that are using, you know, different apps like Truebill or something like that. Um, but it's mostly just been, yeah, the spreadsheet, Loom, Gmail. We try to. How about the, what about like escort payrolls? You know, they got to pay themselves. We do Gusto. Mm-hmm. Gusto. Got yep. it. We'll usually charge a fee. We, we give our clients the option. So it's like, We'll charge you a fee up front. Gusto offers that. So our clients are all, all over the country. So it's like registering for states. They don't they don't want anything to do with that. And that's a pain for us too. So Gusto has that option inside that we can pay them to do all the registrations for us. And then, you know, we have a fee. If, if clients want us to set it up, we will. We'll help them. 
Um, we make a little bit on it, but our goal is just really to get them to get in and get payroll done because we want them to be able to be the escort. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that feature. That is nice. Not having to do it yourself. Yeah. It's the worst. And some of those States, you know, it really is like a paper based process still to get those numbers that you need. Yeah. It's horrible. It's... <laughs> um, what, anything else you want to add on the technology? I, I love nerding out about the technology that we use to, to do this all remotely. No, I mean, that's the main, that's the main story. I mean, we, we do a lot yeah. of things with ClickUp. Like we have the forms in ClickUp, you know, if we, if we just need like a quick document from someone, like we won't have them sign into the Intuit link. We'll just send them a form. I'll embed a Loom video. Um, we use a Loom video for like customer service stuff too. So if, if we have a batch of people that need to like, you know, complete their payroll, I'll make yeah. a quick video and then we'll send it to every individual. So it's like a personal touch, but it's still scalable. So the form, let's talk about that. Yeah. So you're in ClickUp and what you're working on a task mm -hmm. and you want to get information from me, let's say I'm the client. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for me? Yeah. So, I mean, so on our end, you know, we have different spaces. We have like a 1040 space, 1120 space, payroll space, bookkeeping, so on and so forth. So let's say we want to do your 1040 extension. So we have a form at the top of the 1040 space that says, you know, uh, extension information. It's a video for me at the top says, Hey guys, we need a couple documents from you before we can extend. This is end to end encrypted. Let us know if you have any questions, you can just drop it in. And then it's, you know, they're, they're whatever, basic information, driver lesson front and back. They can easily upload that. It just comes in a link to them. We can text it to them. And then when they submit it back, we, we've worked with the automations within ClickUp so that it comes up with the client name first, and then it'll have all their information and we can drop it in into it or the Google Drive or whatever. But it's just a very quick yeah. way to get information from clients. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Comparing that to the traditional like CPA firm portal process, yeah. which I, I have to go through with my preparer. You know? mm -hmm. I mean, that I can't open that. I can't easily upload documents on my phone. You know, I have to scan them and then do it on my computer. It's, mm -hmm. and I imagine, you know, most of your clients, like they might not even be using a computer and, you know, they're all doing it all on their phones, right? Yeah, sometimes, definitely. That's another yeah. thing we're kind of like starting to roll out. So texting, because our clients are like emails are like, it takes Archaic. it takes a lot of time. Like, it's like, that's that's a frustrating thing too. It's a challenge, I guess. You know, they upload all their stuff and we're, we look through it and then we ask them questions on it, like right up front, like, and, and then sometimes you're waiting, like, you know, a day, two days for a response or way more or yeah, or you're trying to wrap up a return. It's like, I need a quick answer. I'll send them an email. Oh crap. I got to put this down for two days and I pick it up. It's like, instead, like we're starting to think about like texting because we're using Google numbers and texting and we're having a lot of success with that, like instant answers. Um, so we're, so we're actually looking for like a better solution for that in the future. What advice would you give to other accountants or bookkeepers who might be interested in working uh, with OnlyFans creators or other you know, non-traditional industries like this? Be patient and approach everyone as a human with an open mind. That's, that's key. Like Jim and I were literally just talking about this. I think the secret to a lot of our success is just the golden rule, literally just treating people how they would like to be treated. And then just understanding, of course, that this clientele has pretty much no exposure to tax or financial literacy. So they're going to require a little bit more from you on, on your end. And, you know, I would encourage you to tailor your processes to, to them, listen to your client base. Like if, if it's taking too long to get emails from everyone, then maybe there's another option, you know, it's think about non-traditional tax, basically, like forget everything you learned. We use like emojis 
And I swear on the phone with clients and it works great. You know, we're very, um, very casual in our correspondence. And I think that they really appreciate that because it seems like there's another a true human on the other end of it instead of just a robot doing your taxes. Do you have like, I mean, I understand we got to respect client confidentiality and privacy, but I'm I'm curious to know who are your clients? Like, do you have a, a, a story you could tell about a client or like, like, how do they get into this? Yeah. Like how does how does one become an OnlyFans creator where that is your livelihood? Yeah, there's a few avenues. You know, one is um, a lot of clients are TikTok famous and they have a huge audience that they can leverage. So they have, you know, 800,000 people following every single thing they do. So we have like a lot of van lifers where like people were just interested in their story and they just had another platform to monetize. Another thing about OnlyFans is that it's as spicy as you want it to be. So a lot of, you know, some clients are only posting bikini pictures. So it's, it's, you don't really know exactly what their niche is until you like talk to them a little bit more. Um, a lot of fitness influencers, a lot of people that were already doing something spicy before this, like dancers were crossing over, um, Twitch streamers, traditional models, you know, it had a lot to do with the pandemic. I think a lot of people just myself included, just kind of like was rethinking their, their life and their, um, income streams. So everyone kind of has a unique story. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you see the people that are still like speaking to your discretion point, you see people that are still like teaching or they're still like in the, in whatever industry that they, they were in, they're still holding those positions. Yeah. So it's really like, wow. it's super important for us and our staff to, to realize this and be like, you know, this, this is part of our gig. It's confidentiality. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Well, that's interesting. Cause, cause I, I remember hearing stories. Um, there was a, there was a story about, it, it could have been a while now, like 10 years ago or more where, you know, it's a, it's a woman who had done porn when she was younger and then left and became a teacher and was being sort of chased from town to town because people would find out about her background and then she'd be, you know, she'd lose her job. Mm-hmm. Has yeah. that changed or is that still a problem? Like, It's a problem. Um, it's a problem definitely for teachers. I have some clients that are former teachers that were fired because of their you know, affiliation with the OnlyFans. I think depending on the industry that you're working in, like I think some of our para- clients that are paralegals, nurses, I think that there could be some issues there. But we also have several clients that are quitting their full-time nine to five because they're making way more in OnlyFans. If you're making 50 grand a month, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, is that unusual or like, you know, yeah, what is the economics of this? I mean, it's all over the board. It's, I think, so what we probably... I'd say what percentage, maybe, I'd say maybe 5% is like 500 and up. Yep. Um, a lot of them are maybe a little less than that. A lot of them are hundred to 200. Um, but the vast majority of people are like maybe 40, 50, $60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So it's either I have this like super flexible job and I have low cost of living or it's a side hustle Yep. Mm-hmm. for most of them. But then you said, I, I think you said like 5% are making, you know, half a million dollars a year or more. And that's, 
or more. Yeah, yeah that's more. amazing. Yeah. Wow. And it's, you know, it's kind of an interesting industry because it, social media is very volatile. TikTok is very, very, very sensitive. So I've seen clients that are making, you know, five grand a month normally, and then they have one little six second video that for some reason gets goes viral and gets caught up in the algorithm. And now they made $80,000 that month. And now that's their new baseline. And we've wow. seen it go well, that back. could go away. That could go in way next year. We've seen it go in the opposite way. So we've seen it go the opposite way. And that's like sad and scary because, you know, they're making like some people are like a million dollars a year. And it's like the next year, they're half of that. And you could just see it month, month by month, like decreasing. So like we're eventually going to get probably more into financial planning with these people too, because it's like a lot of them will be like jamming the maximum contributions away. And it's like, you can't touch this money until you're 60 and you're 22 years old. Like, I think we have to balance this out a little bit more and like be careful with these clients because it's just, I don't think they realize the consequences of what they're doing. And some advisors just have them max everything out. It's like, I don't know if that's the best move for, for you. Yeah. Sometimes minimizing the tax liability isn't exactly. the most important thing, right? Yeah. Like you said, you can't touch the retirement savings until you're 60 and you're, you got 40 years until yeah, you get exactly. there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. You can't just have a rule, right? It has to be, has to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Case by that's, case. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, and this, this industry, you know, it's only been around for what, like less than a decade that people have been doing this. Yeah. Um, we've got talk about like TikTok getting banned in the United States. Are you all worried about that? I mean, that could have a huge impact on this whole this whole space. Yep. It's definitely a topic of conversation, hot topic every day. We're talking about it on social media. Um, you know, I'm trying to encourage clients to start their own email list and try to, as far as like a CRM goes, but there's also so many other platforms. Like I have clients that are on TikTok, but they're also killing it on Twitter or they have, you know, huge Instagram followings as well. So like from a client perspective, from our perspective, I think at this point, our social media is established enough that we can survive off of Instagram and referrals and just Google searches. But um, yeah, TikTok being banned is definitely top of mind every day. Yeah. And a lot of on that topic, kind of like an interesting nuance too, is that a lot of our clients are getting banned on TikTok because it's very, very sensitive. The AI, if you, you know, if you post, if you say spicy accountant, that's like code word for OnlyFans and they'll they'll close your account and they'll block you from your IP of your the IP address of your phone, not just your account. So we'll have clients that will go through four or five iPhones through the year because they continue to get banned on TikTok, but it's a valid business expense because that's where they're finding all of their their subscribers. Wow. And it's linked to the phone that you use. Yes. So you've got to buy a new phone. Yes. Wow. Yes. So it's it's there's a parallel here, right? Because uh, we are recording this and it's just a week or two after the Silicon Valley bank collapse, which reminded everybody that we should be diversifying where we bank, mm-hmm. that we shouldn't keep all our money in one place, which, you know, is sort of, I've always considered that to be kind of like obvious, mm-hmm. but apparently it wasn't to a lot of, you know, really smart people. <laughs> and I guess we could take the same lesson from this potential TikTok threat. It hasn't happened yet. So now's the chance to diversify your followers, right? Uh-huh. And your income streams is is build up an audience on a separate platform too. Exactly. I think those that do like will succeed. And for us, like I'm not too worried about it because the market's there, right? Like there's customers. So whatever platform takes over, the content creators that succeed there, I think will come to us because because we're a good company. You know, we, we live by the golden rule. We want to help these people. So to me, I don't think, uh, you know, it's, 
it's it's that much of a threat to us. But if I was a content creator, I would be concerned and I would be jumping on another platform and diversifying for sure. Yep. I agree. And then, I mean, just quickly, you talked about banks. There's another nuance with our industry as well, is that many banks are not sex work friendly or, you know, porn friendly. And if you look in the, you know, the term services at the very bottom and fine print, it says nothing spicy in any bank accounts, basically. It's, it's the moral of the story. So we're, you know, having issues setting up payroll with some clients. I've seen clients get shut out of their bank accounts. If and it's anything from a small credit union to Chase to Wells Fargo, like they're really isn't a safe place to bank that we uh, have been able to find and really recommend to clients. And that's something that is also always top of mind and something that we're, you know, always trying to guide clients to, but they see that Phoenix deposit, which is the only fans like holding company and they're getting flagged. Gusto too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So probably one in every five of our clients that we get set up on payroll gets rejected by Gusto. And then we have to turn okay. around and find another payroll solution. So help me understand why these policies exist, because what these creators are doing is completely legal. Yeah. So what, what, why do these banks uh, and, you know, payment processors give them such a hard time? It's something bigger than us. You know, the creators definitely have their own uh, opinions on why it's happening, but there's just always been discrimination against this industry. And, but now for the first time, it's legitimized in a way that it hasn't been where, you know, maybe in the past cam girls were making a lot of money on Venmo or in generic wire transfers, but now they're getting an actual 1099 making legal income, you know, leveraging their own audience and their small business that they're that they've built and they're not allowed to bank anywhere because of some old fine yeah, it's crap. It's like how many of these CEOs have, were like visiting Epstein Island? You know, it's like how many of them? Mm-hmm. I'd love fans. to. I'd love to take that list and see how many are CEOs of banks and then see, and then read their the terms of their like contracts. It's just like it's hip- yeah hypocrisy. How many of the people who work at these banks subscribe exactly. to OnlyFans? Yeah, it's probably a huge percentage. Just uh-huh. looking at the numbers, right? Actually, can you give us do you, you know, g- give me an idea of the scope of of OnlyFans? Right, I hear about it. Mm-hmm. We hear about it frequently, and it's often the butt of jokes. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, you know, I'm just going to quit my job and go post feet pics on OnlyFans. Right, that's the stupid joke. What what's the? But it's a real big business. Right? Oh, it's like, not. A, what's it's not a game? Not a game at all. No, it's it's, yeah. it's big well, money. It's, multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, billion dollars. Yeah. I've you know clients that have teams of people, assistants, and you know they're making anywhere between. So the subscription is between four ninety nine and forty nine ninety nine a month. So you set your own subscription. It's an eighty twenty split between the creator and OnlyFans, and OnlyFans cut is taken before their ten ninety nine is issued. So just from the top, they're making a ton off of subscriptions, but different clients have different sales strategies. So if it's a numbers game, you know, they have a huge audience on TikTok, maybe they'll keep it at $8.99, you know, and whatever, they're kind of playing with it. Some clients have free accounts and it's free to subscribe to them and they'll give you a couple pictures for free, but then beyond that, it's all pay-per-click. And we're actually, when you're seeing the printout of, um, you know, their their income on OnlyFans, a lot of time, it's mostly coming from these pay-per-clicks instead of the subscriptions. So the the user is like paying every time they click on a picture. Yep. So it'll be. Oh wow. Yeah, literally. So sh- you know, it'll be like your shoulder in the shower. Be like, pay five bucks, see the full thing, and then everyone just impulse buys five bucks, and now she just made three times as much as she would have in monthly subscriptions off of that picture. Wow, that's that's genius. That's like you know, Art. I'm thinking of like gaming in-app purchases. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's that kind of psychological thing. Yeah. 
And then the numbers wise, as far as like the last time I checked, there's two and a half million uh, content creators on OnlyFans worldwide. I don't know what the breakdown is in the US, but from our perspective, we're like, our business model is we want to take a small piece, a small percentage of this. Like, think about that. If you take 1% of the total market um, that nobody, like there are people that specialize in this, but the competition isn't extremely fierce for tax accountants working in this industry. Yeah, I, I certainly, I mean, maybe they do, but they certainly haven't branded themselves or their firm as serving this industry. I mean, you're one of the few mm -hmm. that yeah. I'm even aware oh, of. It's bold. <laughs> like my logo, if you've seen my logo, like it's, you know, it's like a hot girl, like business person. Like it's a very bold statement, but yeah. effective. Well, it appeals to your target audience, right? That's who they are. And, and it's got attitude and swagger, Yep. right? Actually, let's pull that open. Uh, you know, maybe you can give us some tips on like creating a website, you know, okay. creating uh, content that appeals to who you want to serve. So I, I love the name, by the way. We have to repeat this theonlyconsultant.com. Thank you. I mean, very appropriate, right? OnlyFans, the only consultant. And I mean, you've basically created a monopoly for yourself right yeah. there with that name. And the opportunity to expand beyond tax because it's not, I mean, it's the only consultant. It's not the only accountant. It's the only consultant right. that we need. So, you know, we're starting with tax. Like Jim said, we can expand to financial services, to real estate, like the sky's the limit, e-commerce. You know, we also have our website, prismatax.com. That's like our little bit more of our uh, like vanilla online identity, I guess. But for, yeah, the only consultant, like the homepage is don't get fucked by taxes. It's the first thing that you see is my face. And, you know, I, I, I was going to say that that's the subhead, right? H2 on the web pages. Don't get fucked by taxes. Yes. That's great. And then you list very clearly the three things that I take it are probably the three main things you do right now. Tax prep and planning, bookkeeping and LLC and S corp formation. Yep. Yep. And everything has been created in Squarespace. That's what we use for both of our websites. And then in addition, we use the acuity feature for the calls and you can, you know, price them any way that you want. And then we have, um, we have the calls flow into ClickUp. So just a little bit more on the tech side of how we're setting things up. I also really like this um, page you have, and you've put it in the top menu. And the, the link is a dear spicy community. And when I click on it, there's a letter that you've written from you. Would you mind reading that? Because I think it's a it's a great way to, I don't know, express what you're doing. And and I don't. Know, it's unusual. It's something you don't really see, like a letter from the founder to the prospects or the clients. Yeah, I mean, I really wanted to address everyone. Just let them know that you know we understand who you are, and we're meeting you right where you are. So the letter says. Dear Spicy Community, we at The Only Consultant believe sex work is work and that you and your finances deserve the same respect as a professional in any other industry. After all, you're earning income the same way a real estate agent or insurance broker would. You can expect 100% judgment-free services from me and my team. While I'm not a sex worker myself, as a woman living in the United States, I understand the importance of fi financial literacy as a tool of empowerment. By taking control of your finances, you can pursue the quality of life that you deserve. It's no secret that there is also a dark side to the adult industry. In order to ensure all of my clients are part of this industry consensually, I have partnered with Deliver Fund and Queens of the Underworld to learn about the realities of industry-related trauma and sex trafficking and get victims the help that they need. Human trafficking can happen to anyone, and we're committed to doing our part to end it. You can find information on these organizations, as well as the only consultants' terms and conditions below. Stay safe, Catherine. That's great. And then you've got uh, a notice there, a link to the National Human Trafficking Hotline. That's great. 
should talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, trafficking, I mean, I know this is an accounting podcast, but again, nuances specific to our to our niche and our industry is that, you know, human trafficking and sex trafficking happens mostly actually in the United States. And it's very important to us to make sure that everyone that is in this industry is in it because they want to be and not because they're being coerced into it. So we all, um, you know, we take a training from the Deliver Fund, which is a nonprofit group that um, I work with. They support banks and hotels and airlines, but, you know, they gave us presentations on what trafficking might look like in bank statements and on social media. And unfortunately, that is something that we have come across, which is something, you know, it's important that we're all trained on it and we all are aware of, especially when a lot of these OnlyFans creators are using managers. There's a lot of very legitimate managers out there and there's a lot of scammers and there's a lot that are essentially e-pimps. So that's something that's also on our radar that, you know, you wouldn't get with a traditional tax firm. So you're not just helping your clients with their finances and their taxes. You're looking out for them as people. Yes. And then, you know, so that's like the compliance side is working with the Deliver Fund. And then, you know, the uh, industry portion is working with Queens of the Underworld. So I partnered with Romina uh, Jordan, she was like a lifelong sex worker in Los Angeles. And now she's a mental health specialist for the industry. Because I've, you know, positioned myself as an, a hub for all things sex work and spicy. Some things are out of my jurisdiction. And it's important that I have someone who is an expert in the space that I can pass people to if they are, you know, in a situation that I can't help them with. So I want to end on something just a, a little bit lighter. I have yeah. a... I think so. I mean, that's it's important we address that, but I do have something lighter and I don't want to diminish what you just said because I think it's really important, but maybe, I don't know, maybe this will seem funny to you or not, but, uh, you know, there was that meme going on, was it last year, year before, with, uh, you know, the accountants of Instagram, the accountants of TikTok, huh? and it it's hilarious. It was I'm like the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the joke is, you know, you're at a party and you're you're in a you're a, you're a spicy worker. You're in a sex worker. Like, what do you tell people when they ask you what do you do for a living? And you just say, or if you don't want to talk, actually, it wasn't even that guy wasn't even a sex worker. He just he just didn't want to tell people what he did for a living or something, right? Yeah. And then it became a trending sound that all sex workers were using. Uh, got it. And, it. and it basically said like, just tell people you're an accountant. Nobody will ask any more questions. Yeah, like essentially, yeah, no one wants to hear any more about it. Yeah. Shuts it down. Right. Yeah. So we're the tax accountants for spicy accounts. I just tell people I'm a podcaster. You know, I don't. I I lead with that, right? Very, Although now there's a now there's kind of a stigma against podcasters, thanks to you know some some podcasters. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so there, that meme came out, and then everybody who you know a lot of people who aren't accountants started putting accountant in their profile, and that was code for I'm a sex worker. Uh-huh. So as an accountant who helps sex workers for real, as an like, how do you distinguish between being a real accountant? And not being a, you know, a, an accountant of Instagram. Yeah. Well, my TikTok videos were getting banned when I first started because I was saying that I'm an accountant. But I'm like, no, I'm literally an accountant. Like, I'm helping accountants, but I'm an accountant. So that, I guess, was like something I had to kind of work around. So I don't say that I'm an accountant on, on TikTok because I'll get banned. Another good reason to say you're a consultant. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, there's definitely been some misunderstanding around what I do. <laughs> and I am a tax accountant. Not a spicy accountant, but that's something I've experienced on social media. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I have OnlyFans for tax tips, but again, misunderstanding yeah. on what's going on. I here. mean, it, I haven't gotten, con- nobody's confused me 
for a sex worker yet, but I, I don't know. I guess maybe I just don't come across as uh, like I, I have an OnlyFans account. I There's don't know. something for everyone. Yeah, you, you, could. Could do, you could do those feed pics that you were talking about. Yep, there is something. Yeah, right. Uh, with the with the podcast microphone, something yes. like that. You know, there's, there's an audience. Yeah. Oh, ASMR is big, right? Yeah. There's the uh, people for everyone. Kathy yes. will say, right? Yes. Doesn't I have met people are. from everyone, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere, doing everything. And there is something. There's a niche for you if you're interested. We can talk <laughs> after. I have some managers I can connect you to, maybe. So. All right. All right. Let's yeah. Let's talk off tape. <laughs> Well, Catherine, you know, it's been so wonderful talking to you. Um, where can people find you online? You know, tell us where to go uh, if if they want to, like, follow you and, yes. and learn more about what you do. Please follow me. So we're on Instagram at the underscore only underscore consultant. Same handle for TikTok. You can visit us at our websites, theonlyconsultant.com or prismatax.com. All right. So great talking with you. Thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. And uh, actually, you know, I never asked where where are you in the world? Good question. So like we're based out of Buffalo. So we're both from Buffalo and a lot of our staff uh, is here. I'm currently living in Houston. And before that, I was in Germany and D.C. So I'm I'm a traveling oh, wow. tax accountant, which is like one of the huge perks of being able to work completely remote. All right. Well, if either of you are ever in the Phoenix area, please look me up. It would be great to connect with you in person. Excellent. For we sure. will do that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Blake. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something new. And if you did, wouldn't it be nice to get some CPE credit for it? Well, I've got great news. My new app, Earmark CPE, offers free NASPA-approved CPE credits for listening to podcasts, including this one. Visit earmarkcpe.com to download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. That's earmarkcpe.com.